0: The Charlotte Hornets lose again last night. They also lose a prominent figure within the organization. We discuss all of it today on Locked On Hornets.
1: You are Locked On
0: Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornet, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. Bucks. If your team wins, visit fanduelcom locked on to get started. That's Doug Branson. You can find him on his substack, EveryHornetsBoxScore.com. I'm Walker Mail. You can listen to me on WFNZ Sports Radio, 92.7 FM every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. I'm coming at you from a new angle, quite literally, with where the camera is set up. Yeah. I'm on the road. I'm in Boston. Basking. I'm here for the Army-Navy game, and so I'm set up in a Marriott hotel. The different angle, yeah, it's really kind of right it's up It's kind of up your
1: nose. You're sort yeah. of looking down on me a little bit. No, you're clean. You're clean. Yeah, Do I have know any you're Yeah, you're nope. clean. No, I'm looking. Okay,
0: sweet. Yeah, this is weird right here. This is this is weird. This is always – you've done the road thing a couple times. I've done it a few times, but it's been a while. But we're still bringing you daily content because that's, right. that's how committed it we stops. are. We're here. we're here to talk about another Hornets loss, Doug. That that's what we do. Let's we do talk it. I'm excited. Losses on this podcast. <laughs> it's, I'm it excited again. They lost last night to the Chicago Bulls one eleven to one hundred. and despite the bulls, but they, they were struggling. I made the joke yesterday that they were struggling right off the rip because you had a players' only meeting after one game. That's the joke, but it's hilarious to me still. they had won two games coming into this contest. This is now Chicago's third straight win. So, They are playing better as of late. All that to say, we still felt like this could be a get-right game. I know you called it that. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. not a get-right game for the Charlotte Hornets. It was a get-right game for Chicago.
1: Well, I don't think people heard me clearly on the last episode. I said it was a (laughs) get-right game in the sense that the Hornets should get right to work on finding a new front office. They should get right to work on retooling this roster because (laughs) – What a miserable shooting night for the Charlotte Hornets that was only salvaged by a fourth quarter in which they scored 36 points. But uh, this was on the way to be – You know, Steve Clifford likes to say that this team has played well offensively this season, but if you look at the offensive rating, it's not very good. But he likes to say that there were three awful games that have dragged that offensive rating down. Well, now it was on the verge of adding a fourth. I mean, I think you still add a fourth here because they only managed to score 100 points. Got off to a bad start before the game even tipped off because Mark Williams, who was listed as questionable with a lower back uh, bruise, contusion, uh, was declared out. And you're playing a team that has two pretty good centers and Vucevic, and then they call Andre Drummond off the bench to just gobble up a bunch of offensive rebounds. And that's exactly what he did in the fourth quarter when the Bulls needed to seal it. It was Drummond, and it was Alex Caruso coming out of nowhere to get offensive rebounds. Uh, Hornets couldn't shoot. Bulls could shoot. That was the game.
0: Yeah, it was. And they didn't even take a million three point attempts. I mean, the Hornets took 12 more three point attempts, Doug. And made two less than what Chicago did. That is an excellent recipe for you to just go ahead and lose that game with how bad they shot. Gordon Hayward, he was off to a rough start, if I'm not mistaken, just shooting wise, but then got going 10 of 18, two of four from three point range. Brandon Miller, rough shooting night from him overall. Did hit three of his six from distance, but inside that three point arc, not really falling for him, just one of eight. And then you see, Um, even miles bridges, he got off to a rough start as well. And like, so that was the thing it, they were able to salvage like some of their, uh, efficiency, but it was already too late. They, they started hitting shots a little bit later. They had the 36 point fourth quarter, but I mean, it, they already dug themselves into that hole that they were not able to climb out of no Mark Williams in this game. As you mentioned, Nick Richards, he gets the start at center. They have a bunch of blocks. Nick Richards like did I guess you know had 12 rebounds in this one, six mm-hmm. offensive rebounds. But Doug, it's it, offensive rebounds are both key for the opposition when they play Charlotte and for the Hornets themselves because right. you have two guys. Nick Richards even more so last year we could see it. One of the best offensive rebounders in the league. Well, Mark Williams has been that this year. But it's the defensive rebounds that you would like to see more of. Nick had more offensive rebounds than he did defensive rebounds in this game. And then you have Mark Williams, who's third in the league, at least last week or maybe earlier this week when I checked, he was third in the league, third in contested offensive rebounds. But it's the defensive boards, Doug. It's the defensive boards that they're not so hot
1: at. No, 21 offensive rebounds in total for Chicago. (laughs) I mentioned the fourth quarter. They allowed 11 One of them was a like I went back and watched all of those for some reason, and one of them was a joke. It was not that was not an offensive rebound. It was a strip uh, that Drummond managed to get back. It was not an offensive rebound, but just call it ten. Ten offensive rebounds is way too many, especially in a fourth quarter where you're trying to pull off a miracle comeback. I mean they they took the lead down to ten with about you know three and a half minutes to go, and then two straight possessions they allow offensive rebounds. Uh, that really kind of sealed things up for Chicago. These have been the issues all year. Uh, but t- 21 is just way too many. You're not gonna beat many teams allowing 20 plus offensive rebounds and but they had a chance because the Bulls only turned those 21 into 16 points. I think you know Clifford mentioned after the game the turnover situation could have actually been probably the the bigger issue because in the third quarter, so I mean you go into the half, you're only down four. And they had an opportunity to come out in that second half and 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 get things right, and they didn't because they just kept turning the ball over time after time. And it's those deadly above the free throw line turnovers. You're not trying to get you know pain entry or anything like that. It's Terry Rozier dribbling off his foot. It's lazy passes around the perimeter. And I said it in the preview: you the Bulls don't have like some kind of excellent high powered offense. You cannot give that team. Easy opportunities, and there were four or five possessions where it was just free layup, free dunk for the Bulls. it's just you're not going to win. You're not going to win a game like that. And until the Hornets figure all of that out, um, it's <laughs> looking at the schedule. It's it's not going to get easier. It's going to get worse for the Hornets before it gets better.
0: My last observation is when you go to the box score and you watch the game, you go to the box score, you take note of whatever all the things that happened. And it looked like a college box score here, Doug. And the okay. reason it looked like a college box score, <laughs> because they only went to six players with Ish Smith oh, and yeah. Bryce McGowans playing about fifteen minutes apiece. They had a six-man rotation that Steve Clifford trusted last night. That's that is college basketball one oh one. That's old school nineties NBA. To,
1: that's nineties NBA basketball too. Doing this in in early December. If you go back and you know just look at the uh you know Muggsy uh days the alonzo lj days they were only playing six or seven guys like I mean, that was just how how it was done and guys were playing you know 38 minutes a night
0: well yeah and and so just in reference chicago they played 11 guys they they had you know, mm-hmm. Craig, Drummond, Carter, Desunmu, they all were in the rotation and, you know, you played, you played six that you, you know, that you trusted. Ish Smith played 14, Bryce McGowan's played 16, but yeah, yeah, just so many injuries. We mentioned Mark Williams, you know, you also didn't have Nick Smith Jr. You also didn't play Teo right? Like JT Thor, DNP C D too, some injuries that you're battling as well, so you know it was. Well, and this,
1: uh, but th- this is a good point, right? Because you get nothing from Ish Smith in fourteen. Well, you get a bunch of blow buys by his, uh, by whoever was attacking him. He was just a, you know, a, a revolving door to the rim for the Chicago Bulls. But no points from him. Three assists, one rebound in those. 14 not even a minutes. field goal attempt. I mean, just not no even shot. a field goal attempt. And that, yeah. but and Ish in previous games. You know, when the Hornets could not attack the rim, he's actually been someone that's been a consistent contributor in that respect. You get nothing from him. You get only two field goal attempts for Bryce McGowans, who just recently started a game and looked hot from three. Couldn't find him uh, at all. So, you know, yeah. Look, inconsistency off the bench has also been a story for this team. Mm-hmm. It continues as they – I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't It doesn't look like they have it all together. And, and it looks like it's also, like, physically killing Steve Clifford. Like, he's screaming yes. – uh, I'm sure you've seen the clip, but if not, I'll throw it up on the screen. Steve Clifford screaming at Nick Richards at one point. Nick, set the bleeping screen. It Um, was on a baseline out-of-bounds play. Uh, that was just a disaster talk about college it looked like college it was a disaster of a baseline out of bounds play uh Nick does not set a screen at all nobody's open uh, the ball is desperately given to Nick Richards who holds it there's only five seconds left on the shot clock he holds it for two and then throws a grenade to Brandon Miller who has to heave it up and it gets blocked <laughs> like just I mean
0: I want to hold on I want to talk about this more can, can we okay. do this in yeah, I, I want to yeah, yeah. like focus on this clip because I think it's the funniest thing that we've seen all year coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast oh my I want to want to talk a little bit more about the Steve Clifford clip of him just about to lose it uh just about to lose it I I joked earlier this week if he had any hair Steve Clifford would have pulled it out already He would have done that in this clip with Nick Richards and so we'll get to that in a moment this episode is brought to you by FanDuel as the weather gets colder the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel I need to get to FanDuel because it's cold in Boston I got off the plane and it hit me in the face. It slapped me like Steve Clifford wanted to slap Nick Richards yesterday. Right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over/unders, even more than that. And so we could bet the buzz at some point. I would imagine bet we're going to bring buzz. it back. We, we promise, you know. I don't know if we're going to keep the promise, but they play the Toronto Raptors tomorrow. You know, maybe we can do it there. When we do bet the buzz, when that happens, we go to FanDuel because we love it so much. Visit fanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Also partake in the NBA season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. More locked on Hornets ahead. We really should do this because it's right up our alley as a podcast, but we should start collecting the funniest clips of the season and then have this big old fun show. We can't even keep our bet the buzz or 30 list promises, but in theory, it sounds like a good idea. This clip right now, if we were to just do a nice little checkpoint on the most comedic moments of the season, this one would be it for me. Steve Clifford yelling at Nick Richards, Nick, Nick set the bleeping screen. He has had it, Doug. He is at his wit's end. There is no more wit to, tr- to journey on. It is, he is at his wit's end right now. Mark Williams, with all the frustration that we've had with his inconsistencies, okay? You can't go to another center. We just talked about the lack of depth, especially with all of the injuries. So you have to rely on Nick Richards to play all of the center minutes unless you want to go P.J. Smallball 5. But other than that, that's about it. This is it. This is what you got. You got Nick Richards, and he's not setting screens. Steve Clifford wants him to set the screens. He's going to curse at you when he wants you to set the screens. And I laughed my bleep off, Doug. I thought that clip was hilarious, and I feel bad for my head coach right
1: now. Well, listen, I'm, I'm going to avoid any kind of Nick Richards analysis here and just really kind of stick with uh, this Steve Clifford video because if, if you've ever made your parents – this angry you know that look that's in Steve Clifford's eye and you know that facial expression that he's making and it makes it sends a chill down your spine because you know something has changed because there's regular mad there's there's like annoyed there's frustrated and then there's just like regular old mad and then there's this next level angry <laughs> that you know oops i've pushed this person too far And I need to apologize immediately. That's where Steve Clifford's face, when he screams, you can see a subtle little shake of his head. Like his head sort of jiggles. He's screaming so loudly. And I don't even think he's screaming. Because if you watched the game last night, United Center, you could drop a pin and hear it. You could hear everything that Donovan was saying. Mm -hmm. You could hear everything that Clifford was saying. I don't know, you know, the Bulls have killed the United Center. That was that place was rocking in the 90s, and the United Center completely oh, yeah. dead, just like the Spectrum Center. And so, you know, he did not need to scream that loud, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was just totally unnecessary, except for the fact that this man is over it, that he has been pushed to the brink. Because what Nick Richards did not do on that play is such – a basic thing is such a fundamental thing is such a thing that players do out of reflex and i'm sure whatever play was called there they've practiced many times and nick richards doesn't do the simple thing which is set a screen for somebody with five seconds left on the shot clock on a baseline out of bounds play
0: I, th- I think for me it's the pointing at the spot <laughs> it, <laughs> when, when he's yelling it's him pointing because it's yeah. like this is the most he's acting like this is That's the sick. simplest thing I could yeah. ask you to do this is this is elementary this is a first grader could set this screen at this spot because we've worked on it a million times that you can you can tell that is so much practice at that play and you could also tell it's not the first time that he messed it up this this has been happening for quite a while but it's so simple to Steve Clifford he's saying hey go over there cover your crotch and rub shoulders with the, your offensive player and block the defender from the guy on ball. Do that here, and bleeping do it here. And I, I just I feel for him, and it's hilarious. The pointing, it's it's all it's all phenomenal to me.
1: You, you know how I know he's really mad? I can see every single one of his teeth in that replay. Every single mm-hmm. one.
0: I like a full breakdown of all of that. <sighs> Yeah. So so Steve Clifford, you know, maybe we can do do we want to take a break and then go to the the Fred Whitfield stuff? Because maybe there's a Steve Clifford combo to be tied in here. What else do you want to talk about in this segment?
1: Oh, well, I was called into the uh, Hornets Twitter principal's office. I do have that on the the sidebar there. I thought um,
0: when so when when you had principal's office, I thought Nick Richards was called into the principal's office, but you were called. Into the principal's office. Okay, so was somebody yelling at you to set the screen as well?
1: Yeah, it was the principal of Hornet's Twitter. I got called into his office. It's our good friend, our family member, friend of the show, family of the show, Nada Edwards. So oh, here's no. what I tweeted. Oh no! Oh, no. I kind of oh, want no. your opinion on this because you're. It, it's kind of like I got called to the principal's office. Oh wait, you want to bring me into this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will, no, I don't want to do any no, of this. Because here's what happened. I got called in the principal's office. I got yelled at, and I got to I got to come home to mom and say, "Listen, here's what happened," and and get see if you're going to defend me or if you're going to take the school side. Okay, so here's <laughs> what I tweeted. After after the Hornets lost, I tweeted this. Caleb Martin's 24-point, 12-rebound, double-double leads the Miami Heat to a win over a nine-win Raptor team. DSJ's on-ball defense and vocal leadership are lauded in a close Brooklyn win over a nine-win Atlanta team. Hornets lose by 11 to an eight-win Bulls team. To which Nada replies, respectfully, DSJ is fair game. Caleb Martin is, at best, a cheap shot. So that was me getting called in the principal's office. He says, me, and I, I didn't I didn't put any commentary in this. This was without commentary. I just listed a couple of facts for people to digest, however they would like to digest it. And not as saying at best, I don't know what it means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what worst is, that my mentioning Caleb Martin in this tweet <laughs> is at best a cheap shot.
0: I don't know. I don't want to side with anybody here. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want? I, I, I do think DSJ, if, if we were to compare the two, yeah, if we were to really dissect it, DSJ is more fair game because we got to see what he did with the Hornets. And that's why it was so frustrating. That's why it, it was frustrating in real time. When we saw him go to Brooklyn, they made him a priority and the Charlotte Hornets did not. We did not see this coming with Kayla Martin at the same time. I know, Like for Twitter, I just avoid all serious combo there because you can't have one. So, so I imagine you do a little bit of that. It seems like that's a little bit of jokey, but also some seriousness baked into the joke.
1: You're dead on because it's. I'm yeah. not really having a conversation when I say wrong yeah. twin. It is a there is a little bit of a joke there. It is it is this idea that we're just being punished so, yeah. because the sure. Hornets always pick the wrong guy, even when like yeah, if you like fairly evaluate that situation, obviously Cody Martin was the guy that you would side with, and they didn't know that all of this injury stuff was going to happen. But but my overall sort of point here is that it's difficult to watch the Hornets play like this and then see name after name come across your Twitter timeline of former Hornets having success. And the DSJ one in particular is egregious on a night in which they could have used some on-ball defense against Caruso. Kobe White was getting threes. Uh, Ayo Desunmu? They kept going under screens on Iodisunmu. That guy's shooting like above forty percent from three this year. It's like he's not historically a three point shooter, but if you get a scouting report on this guy this year, he's hitting three point shots. And they're just going under screens like he can't shoot. And so, like, I would love some aggressive on ball defense. And they had the all they had to do. This is crazy to me. All they had to do was pick up the phone, And, and Brooklyn picked up the phone first. They made him a priority. Hornets offered him more money. But all DSJ wanted was the same thing that Kelly Oubre wanted. He just wanted to be wanted, and the Hornets did not make him a priority, which is insane because they well, right, he's right. the exact thing
0: they need. Well, right, and and nobody to be fair to the Hornets because because we have to be fair to be fair the Hornets nobody wanted Kelly Oubre by free agent market. Nobody wanted him until Philadelphia came in with the Batman or whatever it was. DSJ apparently they did and he was one of the first signings, and Brooklyn did. Um, and, and, you know, we were looking at this, too. You know, actually, I side with Nada. Go, Nada. <laughs> oh, I'm, come I'm with on, you, Mom. Nada. Go Mom, ahead. Mom, you don't no, understand. Nope. No, no, behave. When you go to school, behave, and you won't get called into the principal's office. That's what I, That's what my message is for you. But last thing on DSJ, we were discussing this on WFNZ. They finished well defensively in the second half of the last season. They are awful defensively here. I think the biggest difference is DSJ. Doug, remember how much we would check in on his advanced stats, just leading the league in some of the point of attack defense that he was providing for this team? Not, oh, yeah, he's like top 15. Oh, not he's in the eighth percentile. No, DSJ in some of the defensive metrics and just good old-fashioned eye test was um, like the best point of attack defender, uh, you know, top two, top three. Like he, those, those stats, you know, portrayed him as that good. And yeah, the defense takes a big old hit without having him here.
1: At the end of last season, when, I mean, they're going to third string guys, injuries everywhere, and they're playing a Dallas Mavericks team with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, a team that is on the brink of, of either making or missing the postseason. And they beat that team. And, and a lot of it was DSJ. And after the game, DSJ, former team, Dallas, says, we put their bleep in the dirt. He had an attitude. Last night, Mikael Bridges says, DSJ is one of Brooklyn's vocal leaders. What does this team, what do the Charlotte Hornets need right now? They need Uh, more vocal leaders. They need more attitude. And they let DSJ go. And I said in the offseason, before they made that indecision, I said in the offseason, if the Hornets are serious about being a postseason team, then they'll bring back Dennis Smith Jr. And they didn't. And I I did not. What I witnessed last night against the Chicago Bulls, I, I think Clifford was super serious. But I did not witness a team that I think is serious about, is a serious basketball team in general, but certainly not serious about making the playoffs. And I think... You know, it was I think the ownership group should get right to work on figuring that out. So it's settled.
0: Principal Edwards is right on this. I side with Principal Edwards. Whatever. Whatever, (laughs) mom. (laughs) Go to your room. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. That's how we talk about a prominent figure in team president Fred Whitfield stepping down in his role and leaving the Charlotte Hornets organization. We'll get to that in just a moment. Now, before Prize Picks, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And with the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball with the Specials League. It's a league created specifically for combo projections on this daily fantasy sports platform, the best one in the game. Combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James, Travis Kelsey, a 10 and a half combo, maybe three pointers made plus receptions. If you want to keep it local, I would go with Chuba Hubbard rushing yards and maybe Brandon Miller points. Pick them more than on that. If you want to stick with the Hornets and the Panthers Mm. and prize picks also even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured, we know how big of a deal that is if you're going to stay local here too. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepickscom slash and use code NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepickscom slash NBA. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. More Locked On Hornets ahead.
1: Before we get to Fred Walker, I did mention the schedule that the Hornets have coming up, and I just want to run through some games. I'd like you to stop me when I get to a game that you're not terrified of, okay? So that, we'll play this little game really quickly. Right. And just, just yell stop when you get to a game that you're not terrified of. December 8th against the Raptors. December 11th against the Heat. December 13th against the Heat. December 15th against Zion Brandon Ingram and the New Orleans Pelicans and that Jordan Hawkins guy. December 16th against the Philadelphia 76ers. I haven't, did you yell stop yet? I haven't heard. Did you yell? No? I okay. haven't.
0: No, no, no. Baby, uh, December
1: good. 18th against the Raptors. December 20th against the Pacers. December 23rd against the Nuggets. December 26th against the LA Clippers. We're about to head into the new year here. Oh, oh, we just celebrated Christmas. December 28th. Hope you got something good under the tree. December 28th against the Los Angeles Lakers. December 29th against the Phoenix Suns. January 1st. New year. Happy 2024. Hope you got to kiss someone on New Year's. January 1st, Denver Nuggets. January 2nd, Sacramento Kings. January 5th, Chicago Bulls. January 8th, Chicago Bulls. January 10th, Sacramento Kings. Well, January 12th, San Antonio Spurs. Stop for
0: sure. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> Chicago. In January I
1: thought
0: about, 12th. Uh, you know, Chicago. I might say stop too, because that could be blow up territory. So you're talking about Chicago, possibly having, you know, whoever off of the team, honestly, I could have just ruined the bit immediately, but I decided to let you go. Uh, Toronto, Toronto a weird team. Uh, you know, if, if maybe, maybe they could come away with this at home at spectrum center, Toronto, nine and 12, they're three and six away from Toronto They've lost four of their last five. The one win they have is actually against Phoenix. But yeah, as I would say, you know, maybe Toronto, and then you could do the bid again, and then we'd still end up with San Antonio. Yeah, point taken. Scheduled, not kind. That's Riddle. why we thought it was such a big point for them to start well, because the schedule in the first 10 games before Miles returned, scheduled was easier, and they really did not produ- uh, did not produce at the level we wanted them to.
1: So right now they're six and thirteen. They're seven games under five hundred. I don't know why, but I just do feel like the ten games under five hundred. There's like a psychological thing there. I it's just, we we you know our numbers are just based on ten, and I just wonder if they get ten or more games under five hundred, if if something sort of unlocks with the organization to say okay enough is enough because every organ I mean you know Tepper got to that point with Frank Reich for some reason I don't know what. You know, what happened there, but something always happens that you say, OK, enough is enough. And it, whether it's a blowout loss, uh, an embarrassing loss, I mean, that that Bulls game had that potential or if it's 10 games under 500. But we're, I think we're nearing that point. And when I look at that schedule again, I just, you know, LaMelo Ball is going to come back at some point. But what's it going to come back to?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And plus they'll lose games with Lamelo. It doesn't matter if he does really well, they'll still lose, you know, with Lamelo on the roster. All right, let's talk Fred Whitfield, Doug. So we got some news yesterday. It actually broke as we were going off of the air. So about 3 PM yesterday, this news came in Charlotte Hornets, president Fred Whitfield, longtime top level executive overseeing the franchise emergence in Charlotte as the Bobcats, the reemergence, if, if you will, and his tenure who spanned over multiple owners, announced yesterday that he's stepping down as team president and vice chairman. Rod Boone having this on the Charlotte Observer. Plenty of other uh, publication. Go check out a little bit more. So Hornets.com also has a write-up on this. So Fred Whitfield, longtime friend of Michael Jordan, actually turning into a minority owner also, um, mm-hmm. you know, steps away. And so this is his quote, Fred Whitfield's quote himself. For the past 17 and a half years, I've had the privilege of representing the Charlotte Hornets as a president, vice chairman, and ultimately minority owner. But the time has come for me to step away and focus on my health and my family as these priority uh, as these priorities have occupied more of my time and energy. I realized that now is the right time to leave my role with the Hornets who are now on a tremendous path to success with the energy and ideas brought by our new owners, Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin. I'm grateful to them for their support during this challenging time. And I also want to thank the prior ownership groups under the leadership of Bob Johnson and Michael Jordan for giving me such a tremendous opportunity, pretty big giant within the Hornets organization over what was close to the last 20 years. Um, here's what I'll say real quickly, Mm -hmm. man, he had an interview with Mac and bone that was really reflective. And I think we discussed that a little when Rod Morrow of the black guy who tips podcast, he joined us and really reflective in a way that he was candid, shared a lot of information. We did not know that he was battling cancer. That was not Mm -hmm. public knowledge. And he Mm -hmm. dropped it on everyone in that interview for street turkeys. One of the biggest shows the biggest days for WFNZ, the Hornets do a great job. They, I think, donate $5,000 to those in need. And, And Fred Whitfield always spoke at those events. Any charitable event, he was speaking. At Cornucopia event, where the Hornets also feed the community and just get a ton of food, tons of money, tons of snack goods for anybody that needs it. Fred Whitfield, with a smile on his face, man, every single time. One of the nicest humans that I've ever interacted with. Mm-hmm. matt doherty also involved with the hornets organization for a while said the one word is class and that's what fred whitfield brought to the table every single time this community is going to miss him in that role he did a lot for this team if if we celebrate michael the philanthropist and what he brought to the community because of his donation because of opening Novon health clinics in poverty-stricken areas of town fred whitfield was right alongside him every single step of the way And so the biggest of salutes to Fred Whitfield for helping this team reach out and embrace the community as well as they did, because they've done as good a job of that as any team in the NBA, and it couldn't have happened without Fred Whitfield. So really appreciate him for everything he did and the best of luck in whatever he decides to do post Charlotte Hornets uh, day-to-day operations
1: yeah for sure i mean the business of spectrum center is the business of charlotte and so for the charlotte you know obviously philanthropy is super important we celebrate jordan for that but also bringing business to the city of charlotte is important for uh people that live in charlotte and live in that community and so uh, they they did a great job of making spectrum center into you know a, a first class place to hold a big event and and i think that is that is important and fred whitfield was a big part of that and 17 years is a long time to spend with any organization now saying all of that i i think timing is everything and i think that you know this organization is going to go through a slow transition out of the michael jordan era and all of the people that michael jordan brought to this organization to work for it uh, i'm sure some of them will stay but I'm also sure that a lot of them will. It won't. It's not a because Michael Jordan moved to a minority owner role and is has a relationship with the new ownership group. It wasn't like, you know, one of these things where the new owners come in and just clean house immediately. This was going to be. They even sort of telegraphed this that this was going to be a slow and methodical process. And I think that the timing of this, um, you know, is is something to to comment on. In that it is probably and as i think mike lassett had uh, some reporting that a source told him that this is you know sort of the first of many to come in terms of uh, departures or changes for this organization and and i think it's the right move because look they're going to be moving into a new era where they need to negotiate to get this new practice facility done and and do some other things and and it would be it's probably a good thing to have some new Voices, some new creativity moving into the organization. And with all the health concerns that that uh, Fred Whitfield has going on right now, um, it it obviously is a good time for him as well to to make the move. But yeah, I think everyone was celebrating what he's done business wise for the team and for the city of Charlotte under bad circumstances, right? I mean, this team is not good. I think it's easier to sell Spectrum Center if the Hornets are packing it every night, and they weren't. And so he was able to even sort of get through those circumstances um, to to do some good business for Charlotte, and I think that's a good thing.
0: And, And stepped up to the plate during election time, stepped up to the plate during the pandemic, you know, what the Charlotte Hornets did during times that were unforeseen, the fact that Fred Whitfield was spearheading a lot of that with Michael, I think it says a lot about him. And, and I know a lot of people are saying, hey, get ready. There's going to be a lot of changes. That's true. I'm not disputing that whatsoever. There's actually reporting here. You can believe it or not, but I do. It makes all the sense in the world. The timing for him, as I mentioned, how reflective that interview was, yeah. we did not know. And then we came to know just a couple of weeks ago that he had an 18 month battle, successful battle, by the way, mm-hmm. which is huge successful battle from you know uh, battling throat cancer over the last year and a half, and they kept that quiet, and now I think his mom is battling some health issues. And so timing, yes, timing might be that ownership is giving him a nudge, saying, hey, this seems like a great time to move on for both of us. That might be true. It also just might be true for Fred Whitfield himself. Like He might not right. have fought on that and said, hey, I look, this is about it for me, at, at least with my role as it is right now. And I, this, this is a great time for myself. I, I, I do wonder if maybe Fred Whitfield is the one that actually starts this conversation, not, not say that he didn't see the, the writing on the wall, but that's a lot. I'm just, I'm just saying he went through a ton and it would make sense to step away. Not any of these coaches that say they want to hang out with their family a little more and then take a broadcasting job five months after that. It, this this seems like he really, you know, hey, it, it would make sense for him to spend more time with whatever family that he needs to spend time with.
1: Well, I'll also say this, that uh, Michael Jordan, when he was the majority owner, was the only black majority owner in the NBA. And um, he brought a lot of diversity in uh, the executive level of the NBA via the team. And and Fred Woodfield was a part of that. And as we see some of these departures happening, I hope that Schnall and Plotkin, Kind of recognize yeah. that and and have feel a sense of responsibility to continue to bring some diversity to the executive ranks of the NBA and and we talked about this when Michael Jordan stepped down as majority owner but I think like the NBA should feel a responsibility and other teams should feel a responsibility also um, to you know especially in these top like executive roles to um, you, you know make sure uh, that there is some some more diversity being. Uh, put out through the NBA. So I think we should recognize that as well.
0: Wait, yeah, you're you're saying, <laughs> yeah, we go from only black owner in the NBA to two white owners. Wait, that's that's different. <laughs> that's that's going the wrong way. Yes, you're absolutely right. Hopefully those Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall, Rich Knob, hopefully both of them <laughs> understand the role that they have here as owners and bringing some diversity within the franchise. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. We appreciate you making us your first listen every single weekday. Thank you so much for that. YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast, you can check us out anywhere and make us your first listen. We'll be back with you tomorrow to preview the Toronto Raptors game and then take you into the weekend. Have a great rest of your day.
1: It wasn't my fault, mom.